3: A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. You've likely heard of Steve Ranella, but you probably hadn't heard of Matt Renella unless you listen to me podcasts. Or have been reading the outdoor news over the last couple of weeks. Matt Ranella caused quite a stir with his article that read, simplistically, I don't believe we should be investing in R3 any longer. Now, Matt is a scientist. He's an ecologist. He's like me. He's very, very technical. And as such, when given a broad topic like that, 1,200 words, doesn't do it justice and can leave it misconstrued in terms of what you're trying to say and what you're trying to get across. Omidita published it, and it caused a ruckus in the outdoor industry. We discussed it on our podcast, and Matt Ranella reached out to us, and he said, hey, could I discuss my R3 article with you guys? And we said, absolutely. And the discussion that follows, that you will hear, is one of the best conversations we have laid down in a podcast. Just take a listen. Open your mind. Listen. Don't judge. And take it for how it is intended to be taken, which is conversation, discussion. And it's okay to disagree with someone once you're done listening. Why don't
1: you let us know what you think? Enjoy.
3: So where I see you, as I said to you, it's, it looks like a very traditional biologist's office. You've got a bunch of textbooks on the, on the, on the, on the set of drawers behind you. You've got nothing on the walls. You've got the, the classic government-issue metal filing cabinet. Where yeah, are you yeah, right now, Matt?
1: You're 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 nailing it. I am coming to you from the uh Fort Keogh Livestock and Range Research Laboratory in, in Miles City, Montana, where I live. Um I've been in this office now a, a mind-boggling um seventeen years now. Um and uh yeah, it's where I do my best um thinking for some reason, I don't know why that is. Uh, maybe it's because it's so Spartan, but uh, that's um, by and large why I thought I'd call you from here, I wanted to give you my best.
3: Yes, sir, and we, uh, we only expect your best. I typically <laughs> uh, I do a terrible job of introducing people, uh, but today, you reached out to us yesterday.
1: Yeah, yeah. Not expecting to hear back. Any, you know, anytime you fill out like a, like a form email, you know, you don't expect to actually hear back. But uh, oh. I was, I was, um, I was uh, surprised, both surprised and pleased when, when you, when you got back to me. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm not on social media, but I, I hear from friends that are, um, and I did a little bit of digging online that you know, the the, the article um, generated a fair bit of buzz. And um, what I have found, like, in some of the articles that have been written in response to it, I, there, there's a, a, a lot of false attributions and borderline insults. And yep. that's a little bit heart, heartbreaking, given that I was trying to give uh, a good faith um uh portrayal of my perspective on on retention reactivation and recruitment. So yeah, I welcome the chance to maybe, I don't know, set the record straight on some of this stuff a little bit. Um, I, I don't think I'll be able to ever say it as clearly as I did in the article. Uh, the article was uh it was a tour de force. There was a lot of research. I downloaded all the fish and wildlife service data onto my computer, going back to nineteen eighty and wrote a program to analyze it um so I feel like I did due diligence with respect to the data, and um I tried to be as as honest about my beliefs as I could in the article um but you know there I'm sure there's some things that with the i mean it's, I don't remember what the word limit was just something like twelve hundred words so I'm sure there's some aspects that'll i hopefully get to expound on here with you guys that maybe um, flesh out some of my concerns and ideas a bit.
3: Absolutely. Why don't you introduce yourself, Matt?
1: So yes, I'm I'm Matt Ranella. I'm a research ecologist. Uh, I'm from Michigan originally, but I've resided in in Montana since 1997. I, I went to graduate school in bozeman at university montana and like i alluded to a few minutes ago i've been at this research lab in miles city in eastern montana way out in the boonies, since 2004.
3: and the article you're referring to is you wrote a article for meat eater and if you know the last name is not ringing a bell to anyone that's listening to this you have a very famous brother Stephen Ranella, who has forced you onto TV on a couple of occasions. And uh, that's what's caused us to have this conversation, is that right. you wrote this article about R3, and Cody and I had a conversation uh, internally about the, about the article. And as, I don't know if you know anything about Blood Origins, if you do, I'm humbled. Um oh well I I have to admit
1: I I got bad news and good news. First, um <laughs> I found you by searching my name and finding your your roundup. But um in the last what now what 40 hours or something? I don't I can in the last couple of days I've listened to several of them and I, I enjoy them very much. I i don't as as a rule I I, I don't follow hunting culture. Um I, uh, I kind of repel against it a bit because, well, for one, one of the main reasons is that I hunt all the time. That's what I do. I hunt and I fish. So I'm trying I try to be like a more well-rounded person. So in terms of, um, my book reading and my, uh, podcast listening, I try to listen to stuff and read things that are outside of the hunting world not so single-minded but yeah enjoyed your last uh the live listener free your podcast enjoyed them all
3: well i appreciate it and hopefully uh i know people are going to really enjoy this one and um last night you
1: had the last one you had mate on and that's right brother mate's brother is with meat Eater, so you had um, trying two, to keep
3: it in the family
1: yeah two brothers of the meat eater clan on, in, in as many
3: episodes you know. so did you listen to cody and i's roundup on what we said about your article yeah yeah i did did cody completely mess it up
1: no i i didn't think so um i my my takeaway from the roundup from your roundup was um this sense that Cody was and maybe you as well a little bit more oh, agh- sure. were, were, were aghast. Mm-hmm. Um like that the article was heretical. Um and that makes me on un- a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, I can't, I don't blame you for reacting that way i mean um but i i i I'm, I'm kind of an agreeable person in general and i mean certainly i i try to state my views and and but uh i don't like to see people be aghast at things i say i don't think
0: and again you know you, you do the part if it came across that way I apologize. I, I would say the aghastness was is that a word. I'm the only non-scientist college dropout on the podcast. So forgive me. If I just, I just make up words sometimes.
1: I'm, no, um, I'm in no position to critique your English.
0: Um, my first of all, let's do for my sake. I looked at your articles in two sections um, and I'm, I'm, not saying you did this intentionally. I'm saying this is how it came across to me. One being, I love the solitude. There's more people now. The second one being R3 in its current form, often run by state agencies, is not the optimal way to do this. That's how I broke it down in my mind. I will tell you I'm in, in complete agreement with the with the second section of it. Um, I, I, I've seen much better ways to offer opportunities to people to hunt that may want to explore it and don't have a family member than state-run agencies. Um, and, you know, you talked about the family and friends thing. I think that's fair. But there's also got to be a little bit of a, there doesn't have to be, but I'm glad that there is a little bit of a support system for folks who don't have family and friends that want to get out and do this thing that we do. Um, the first part of it was the part that, you know, the word, the word that I think we use probably repeatedly on the podcast as the whiskey flowed was ballsy. Not that you wrote it, but in my mind that meat eater published it because I, mean, I, I, it was, I
1: suspect that they wish they
0: hadn't. I don't think so, man. I'm, I don't know what the hell I'm talking that, about. When next I say time that. I
1: see my brother, I'll have to flat out ask him, but. You know, I don't. I don't the, think so, uh, man. I, I think in the big scheme of things, um, and I'm really not trying to. I'm not trying to stroke your ego at all. I, I think you made a conversation happen, um, and you know, I think there's this cool weirdness that.
0: In your, and I'm, I'm going to make a whole bunch of assumptions here and just tell me if I'm wrong, Matt, okay? That it's, it, it's not going to hurt you or personal life. It, it's not going to hurt your profession that you came out and said this thing that in some variation of what you said and some variation of how people perceived it, a whole bunch of us are thinking, right? Maybe not, maybe not right in line. Maybe, maybe not exactly with how we perceived what you were saying.
1: I was not upset or angered with anything that you said. I was blown away
0: that meat eater with the, you know, they're, they're dominating the commercial hunting media industry right now. I was blown away. They published it. That was Mm -hmm. the, a gat like, Holy, I mean, we said the word ball. I said the word ballsy several times. Like this is a really ballsy move to publish this um also straight out um you know i live i live in colorado not near on the same remote level but i'm a four minute walk from the san isabel national forest um and i can tell you when i go over there there's more people there than i wish were there right um that's the part of it i don't think the critique of the value or the offer of different solutions to R3, you know, in, in its true, in a proper noun, R3, was, was something very many folks were upset with. I think a whole bunch of folks read that first section, at, again, as I broke up the sections as, to, to paraphrase and put it harshly for the sake of discussion, Matt Rinella wants the woods to himself. Like, I think that's
1: the part that, 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 yeah. That. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that I, I, no. I haven't read anything where anybody has, um, critically evaluated the ideas in the in the article. Maybe some people, uh, hopefully some people have read it and done that, but, um, I haven't, I, I haven't seen where somebody has really tried to, um, critique and digest in a thorough way what i was driving at with it um a lot of people have um grasped on to that that component um but to me this bit about you know i like solitude or whatever that was just kind of a way to get into the topic not not a way of not saying it's all about me. I'm like in the top one percent of the top one percent in terms of opportunity. I have six pack on this. I go way the hell and gone. You know, sure my hunting gets a little bit impacted by others, but not like other people. You know, I got a cabin in Southeast Alaska. I can go up there and not see anybody. Catch all the shrimp and crab and halibut and hunt deer and bear I want and have it pretty much to myself. But you know. I'm, I'm in a minority and, you know, and I really feel sorry for people um, that don't want more hunters and are, that, that have this, uh, this organized attempt to, to, to increase crowding for them when they don't want it, you know, for, forced upon them. I'd say 50% of the people, the, the comments I've read on the article are people that agree with me, you know. So other people, the other 50%, there are three efforts. Um, they, they impact all of the people that don't want that, you know. Um, and to me, that just seems a little bit immoral and unjust. If you really like the article talks about, I I want, I quit the board of a, of a hunting nonprofit over, over, um, I was on a team that was involved in designing a member survey. And even though I was on the team of three people, there's many, many more than that on the board. Um, I couldn't get two questions asked. Do you want to see more people when you're out hunting? And if so, how many? And I think that the unwillingness to entertain those sorts of tough questions doesn't serve the hunting community.
3: Matt, maybe maybe I could take a step back, and, and I think maybe a lot of people may be asking this question. Why did you decide to write this article?
1: Um, my brother invited me to, to write the article. Um, that stemmed from was...
3: what? It must have stemmed from a conversation that you guys have been having for quite some time. If he said, "Hey, mm-hmm. you need to put your thoughts down on paper,"
1: yeah. So, a couple things I'll say. I, I got to be a little bit delicate with him and position. He's of course. In, of course. But, um, a couple things I'll say. So, first of all, he talks about, he, I don't listen to his podcast very much. Uh, but he tells me that he basically talks about me and what I think on nearly every op- episode. Um, so I, and he often talks about how I oppose our three. And um, he wanted to offer me an opportunity to, in my own words, say why that was. And so there's that. There's also, he and I have very strong disagreements about a whole range of issues related related to hunting. Um, and I, I think that he wanted to give me an opportunity to like, talk about something, I, an area where we don't see eye to eye. I mean, there's, I have other ideas that are probably considered pretty radical that are a little bit close to the bone for my brother. Um, I oppose um, putting dead animal pictures um, out on social media to massive audiences. I think that hunting would be infinitely better off if it wasn't for people trying to like seek fame through uh the killing of animals i've been encouraging people for a long time now take a year off of doing that to see if they even still like hunting minus the dopamine hit they get from checking their likes um because i'm somebody that thinks that the biggest threat to public land hunting is too many people. And if we could get rid of the people that are hunting for the wrong reasons, I think that would go a long way towards bettering this pastime. And um, certainly bragging on social media over a dead animal is not a a just reason to kill. Yeah.
3: Matt, do you think that um, you talked about disagreements and I think that's what we, we quite like about blood origins is that we're not afraid to, to sort of sit in the middle and look at both sides of the equation. And I think that hard hitting conversations like we're having iron sharpening iron type conversations in which there is a little bit of disagreement between individuals on each side of the microphone to us at blood origins, we see that as a good thing.
1: Hey, I, I applaud you for that. There's within and outside of hunting there's there's little room for that these days um you know for like agreeably disagreeing you know i i I just want to be i find myself wanting to be increasingly free to like to be able to be liked and disagreed with you know and i've always struggled with that i've always struggled with that i guess maybe it's because i I could get too passionate or something. But man, it would sure I it's a I it's a skill that I wish I could better cultivate, you know, an ability to have a view that that is not popular, but still have people think I'm a decent human being, you know.
0: I think that's a societal thing. I don't think that's a Marinella thing. I think that and I think it's driven by the same, the same concept of, you know, there, there's. I'll stand beside the fact that I believe that the internet giving everyone somewhat of a voice has good sides to it, um, but it's also driven people to, if I find someone that I disagree with on any topic whatsoever and I make a great big giant deal of trying to demolish them for disagreeing with them. Um, you know, I'll form some little army behind me, um, that presses the like button a lot.
1: Um, sure.
0: And I, I think that's a part of it. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a Matt Rinella problem. I think that's a
1: 2021 problem. Kind of <laughs> sure. I have uh so I want to, I I don't know how to I like you haven't said you haven't said a single thing I
0: disagree with, but I want to poise the question of um and even prior to your article, we have a lot of discussions on blood origins about the numbers of hunters and all this. Weirdly conflicting and convoluted data that we get that it's up, it's down, and COVID, and everyone's hunting because of COVID. But we got to raise license prices because no one's hunting anymore, and all these things. We we have those discussions. Um, but I'm gonna I want to play the devil's advocate. I, I, I want to say something that I don't know the answer to, but I want I would love your response to it. That if we don't make efforts to offer opportunities to people i'm not defending any one system solution or program i guess that's the answer do you that's the question do you feel like there should be organized efforts not not to drag people into hunting for the wrong reason but to offer the opportunity to people who want to explore it who didn't have i think i kind of know that you've been in the outdoors since since you were the the opportunity was there when you were a child right like that was a thing that you guys did same thing for me um not not for robbie actually um but he has a family heritage of it do you think we should have organized systems that offer opportunities for people to get involved um not necessarily r3 but something that has the same mission
1: well i mean if it was called something else to me it would still be r3 and no i don't i think i think uh the the woods are are saturated and uh i think the emphasis is largely misplaced I, like i say in the article what, I, well what like wh- why why i mean hun- i don't think that hunting makes systematically makes uh human beings better people i mean there's the, the, the biggest assholes i've known in my life have been hunters and some of the most delightful people i've known in my life have been non-hunters so the i like there's there's no intrinsic virtue in my mind in turning somebody into a hunter now there are other things like i say in the article that there's all kinds of empirical evidence that, that makes you a better person cardiovascular exercise reading books meditation there's fair bit of evidence that that makes you one of a, a better person so uh i guess i'm not on board with uh a formal effort to get more people hunting because it makes them a better person what are some of the other arguments um well another argument would be because we need to maintain uh, a political environment favorable to hunting and to that i say good luck with that i mean about 5% of americans hunt you want 51% to hunt so we have a a voting majority at that point
3: But Matt, that's got nothing to do Uh, with politics. At that point,
1: squirrel becomes a draw species.
3: Yeah, but that 5%, that's got nothing to do with politics. That's tied to the non-hunting majority in terms of whether they approve of hunting as a lifestyle or not.
1: Okay, what I'm saying is, if the idea behind R3 is to garner political will, and... That you're trying to get 51 percent of the people to hunt, so you can win elections, I'm. That's just not sustainable. Somebody's going to get shot, and you're like I say, squirrel's going to be a draw piece.
3: So Matt, in the beginning, you, you you said that in in preparation for this article, you downloaded and combed through the U.S. Fish and Wildlife data. Yeah. In your opinion, and, you, and you've used the word oversaturated twice now, in your opinion, is the data correct in terms of Fish and Wildlife Service getting the numbers correct? Uh, that,
1: that's, a, that's a great question. Um, okay, so, so a, a number of points. First. Um, I suspect that they are correct, though the data are correct up to a proportionality constant. Um, So that perhaps, like the the general shape of the trends in the figures I made, um, are pretty spot on. Meaning, if you see a 5% increase from one year to the next, in the number of tag holders, then there was probably a five percent increase because i don 't think that the way that states tabulate the data changes dramatically over like within the over maybe one state changes in a year, but not it 's not like everybody changes gotcha. their accounting every single year, so I think that changes occur smoothly, and the general trends are believable now then then I would also say that I think the data are in the ballpark because we have two sources of data that are completely independent from one another, and they both tell a similar story. One is the uh, license sales data, and then the other one is the survey that's conducted every five years. And those two sources of information, if if one of them is incorrect, it doesn't infect The other one, they're independent, and they tell about the same story. So I have to think that they're at least somewhat in the ballpark. Now, one of the people that uh, critiqued... My article was somebody from Outdoor Life, and they said that they don't believe those data. And I find that really perplexing because every single R3 article ever written, it's formulaic. They begin with showing the data and making the case based on the data, which I, I take a, have a different take on the data. That hunting is in decline. I don't, I don't think the data support that in any way, shape, or form. But that's and then they provide that as an impetus for that is their motivation for for engaging in R3. So now, and and that includes outdoor life. They have several articles like this, as does the Washington Post, New York Times, NPR website, et cetera, et cetera. So if the data aren't believable, then the impetus for R3 is destroyed, is it not, according to all these articles that put that up front as the motivation for R3? I mean, it seems like if, if the data are useless, I don't think they're useless, but if they are, then there should be a lot of retractions that are getting published right now.
3: So, in your article, you, you showed a figure, the figure that you're referring to, hunter participation data from 1980 through 2019, and you broke it down. Uh, you had the two different data categories. One was the hunters in the, uh, less than fifteen years old, according to the survey. You also have two other categories in there. One was license holders over time, and then you had license tags, permits, and stamps over time. Mm-hmm. The license holders over time, uh, I, you know, it, it, it has it's pretty much a flat line. It, not get scientific about it, but it's pretty much a flat line from ni- yeah. from nineteen eighty to twenty nineteen. However, when you look at licenses, tags, permits, and stamps, there is, again, I didn't do the statistics on it. Maybe you did. It looks like there is a statistical increase over time in licenses, tags, permits, and stamps.
1: I, I, would, I, would, I would say that that's the most striking pattern in that graph.
3: Is so why? Why do we see, so, why do we see an, a, a static trend line over time of license holders? Yet a statistical increase in licenses, tags, permits, and stamps. Sorry, Cody, we're geeking out on you here with science.
1: Um, I no problem. I, I, m- may, maybe uh, when I was thinking about this, when I was um, looking at those data a while ago, I, I pondered that a fair bit. I mean, the only thing I can think, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's other explanations, but the, I, I tend to gravitate towards simple explanations and the simplest one to me is that would be that 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 there's about that there's uh hunters are getting more fervent um those that are at it are pretty die hard i guess that be what do you think
3: i think based on my own experience and cody you can chime in here but i know as i grow older as i've been, i'm a license holder as i've grown older I've wanted to stretch my wings and I've applied for licenses in different states. doesn't mean I've hunted that state, but I've definitely accumulated a bunch of licenses. And now you've got all these, you know, application systems now in place nowadays that help you with all your license sales. And that is driving license sales. I'll tell you another thing that uh, states are getting very uh, astute to is the whole automated renewal of license uh-huh. licenses because it's generating revenue for them, which is a very, very smart move on their part that, because you don't for, you forget about it. Right. Right. Cody, what do you think?
1: Yeah. No, I think it, again, it's that, you know,
0: insane layman in this discussion that it, I, I think that's the simple, obvious reason that if there's, five of us hunting and we used to each hunt one thing a piece, but now we've spanned out and we're each hunting three things a piece. We still have the same amount of hunters, but we have more licenses and stamps being sold. Um, I'm not, not, not an umbrella. That's the whole reason for it, but that I'm, and I know it's also true with me. I mean, some of it just gets to be where you You know, some of it's strictly a bank account thing, right? You get to an age where your bank account allows you to go in your, or your accrued PTO at work allows you to go do a few more things than it did 10, 15 years ago. And I think that's probably at least part of the reason is hunters expanding, becoming more fervent is what Matt said. And luckily I didn't have to Google fervent. I think that's probably a good, uh. A good. I was like one of the 16 words in the last three minutes that I understood.
3: <laughs> Matt, let me ask you this question. Based on the graph that you created, hunter numbers have stayed constant-ish since 1980 to 2019. Would you have said, if we had asked you the question in 1980, if the woods were oversaturated with hunters, would you have answered the same way?
1: Well, it, 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 am I am I fifty years old, nineteen eighty, in this hypothetical, or am I twelve? Yeah.
3: yeah, let's just call you the same. Like you know, you're in the same situation.
1: Well, okay. So where I grew up in Michigan, and I talk about this in the article as well. Um, I never once, despite hunting a lot, ever saw a buck that was sporting a second set of antlers. Um. And after opening day it it was devilishly difficult to find a spike or a fork, so I don't know I guess it depends on how you you define over over hunted um, but i i don't see i don't see a need to try to try to promote that that doesn't well,
3: maybe the question maybe is then. Been... I guess what I'm trying to get at is...
1: through r three, I mean. There, I don't see a reason to try to recreate right. that.
3: Right, right. It, I guess my... I guess the... Uh, you know, it was a tough hypothetical, but...
1: is In, in terms of the overset... It. Go ahead, Cody. No, that was a great question. I, I think we should
0: ponder that for just a second. And not in any way adversely calling you out matt but try one more time for your answer to would would you in 19 was it 1980 then did you if if you could go back in time being you now not a 12 year old but you now do you think the woods were saturated in 1980
1: oh yeah i mean there was there was more there were more hunters then um Grant, there was more habitat then as well, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think that they were, I mean, by, by, my, by my definition of over 100 or saturated, they were, they were saturated.
0: Over I'm down. sorry for interrupting, Robbie. I just wanted, I, I wanted to get through that. I thought it was a great question that I thought should be dealt with.
3: So if, and, and here's, this is the, I think this is the crux question that I've sort of been battling around in my brain. And I'm going to remove R three. The idea: if the woods are oversaturated with hunters, in your opinion, should we be recruiting more hunters?
1: No, no, no. I, I, I use R three as an umbrella term. Um, so, no, I don't think we should. Um, I think that the effort is is misplaced. I. I think I, I, I could see a lot better uses of that time. Um, primarily, and I think it's deeply unfortunate that PDo- PR dollars are now getting directed away from, from habitat and, and access uh, toward that. That seems like a major mistake to me.
3: It's I'm a interesting. Big... You talk about habitat. I wonder what happens on this graph if you plotted habitat.
1: I it's a downward trend and, and look at what's happened to um, um, the population's country, the population size has increased dramatically since 1980. Not only that, the square footage per person, square footage of living space per person has gone up. Um, so yeah, there, there, there's been, I mean, it's a hard thing to quantify. I, tr- I tried to do that with the article, but I, 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 I couldn't come up with a way in, which I could do it in a way I even looked at some like remote sensing articles that quantify urban sprawl and there were reasons why that just didn't quite do it. So I relied on personal anecdotes about how where I grew up is now. a lot of the places I haunted are residential neighborhoods and I say a lot of, um, the, a lot of my friends is the same way. But let me get back to this though so I want to finish this point. So when I say the effort is misdirected. So let me talk about uh, backcountry hunters and anglers for just a second. So that, that organization, which I, I, I fully support, I don't fully support, I, I, I support two thirds of their platform. I am fully on board with the access and the habitat component, um, their efforts in the legislature. But I'm not, I'm not on board with, obviously I'm not on board with the, with the R3 part. But like, so that, that, they're centered here in Montana. That's where their headquarters are. And this and they have a, they, they have a pretty, this is, they have more presence here than anywhere. So do you have any idea what percentage of hunters in Montana belong to bha
3: it's 10 percent
1: one one percent so to me this convoluted approach of turning people into hunters and then trying to get them to give a shit about access and habitat is it's like it's clunky it's indirect and I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it's very effective. Why not focus on the 99% of the people that are already hunting and try to get them to fight the access and habitat battle? I got to throw this in there. I, um, I, uh, I'm a big, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a champion for habitat and access. People think because of this article, probably, oh, this guy's just, you know, that he doesn't care about the traditional thing. I, I'm taking issue with one thing. I'm on all on board. The rest of it, as a matter of fact, I guarantee you, I am the only person you know that has ever been turned in to the expect, the, the inspector general's office of the United States government for fighting for public access. Um, yeah, you know, they refused to investigate me, but that is a true story. I I, uh, I was trying to get an access, site. Um, established on the lab at the lab where I work, it's a fifty-five thousand acre ranch, and some people here got uncomfortable with my efforts and concerned enough about my involvement that they thought it was uh, unethical and potentially legal and they turned me in. So I don't know. I just feel like I gotta sure stick up for myself a little bit. Like I am. I am two thirds what every good hunter is. I'm, I'm all about the access and habitat.
3: Well, I appreciate your passion because that's what we are. We like to be passionate about the things that we love, and we are passionate about the the, the positions we take. And it's completely okay to have positions counter to someone else. And sure. uh, that is what we like. And you know, I'm. Go ahead, Cody. I
1: have you you. you... You said your crux question
0: a couple of minutes ago, Robbie, and I want to ask a question because I have a theory. And matts if he's proven anything to us, he's proven to us that he'll answer honestly. I, if, if, you, if, if, if I say there was two options, one is we actively go out and recruit new people into hunting. That's one, that's one group. That's one mission. And the other one is, we willingly help people who ask and need a mentor, and they initiate the conversation. Does that, does what I'm seeing make sense?
1: Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, I, take R- an, in- I, I take such an umbrella-like definition of R3, and I need to get better about thinking through what exactly it is that I don't, I I, I even... I even lump the internet bragging stuff into R3. In my mind, that's even part of it. Like one person is on the internet bragging about their, with their grimp and grin and trying to get famous. And then other people are like, oh, I want to be famous like that too. You know, so I'll even, but so, okay. Well, I, I would, I would say, I'd say that that would be, that would be pretty. That'd be pretty awful if somebody was like, Man, will you teach me how to hunt? And and you you, as a private citizen, were unwilling to help them out. Um like, should an organization have be do do that? Yeah. So, like, let's say this. Let's say that somebody calls up a hunting nonprofit, calls up the headquarters, It's like, hey, I want to learn how to hunt. There's someone there who can show me. <laughs> sure why not it's but that's just not what it is there's like ad, it's there's ad campaigns to get people out hunting there's there's seminars at um out at non-profit gatherings teaching people how to hunt um so but i'm fine with i mean i i certainly have mentored lots of hunters informally
0: um i think that matt i think that is what i think people misconstrued that section as i broke it down of your of you literally want no one new to ever come into the woods even if they want to come and learn i don't think you said that and and not even especially but but i i think that's what the groups that were upset. I'll, I'll be honest.
1: I took that was my aghastness with it. Of that, that I
0: think I think that both of you. I spend a lot of time with Robbie, not physically, but we communicate. And my, my my wife and I work home. She's the only person I communicate with more than Robbie because we work together, and he is somewhat the same way it's it's a and i don't want to get into characteristic and stereotyping people but it's a scientific and a literal thing and i think that that the way it was laid out that people took it as i don't want any more people in the woods period that's it i don't want it that first section the second section was you know the quality and, and, and it is our three and good in any way. And I I told you before, I agree with that. I think that first section that the people that pushed back hard, um, we read them help. We, we talked about them a week ago on our, on our, on our podcast. Um, there was people that pushed back really hard.
1: I think that's how they took it. Um, we tried to not make those assumptions, and now from
0: talking to you, I feel like that if I was a person that had never hunted and my job was to move to the ranch that you're on and I asked you to take me hunting, I really feel like you probably would. It seems to me like that's not what you're saying, that no one ever should bring a new person into the woods or a new not, person should come
1: not even remotely. I, I was I, my issues with the formal R three movement. Um, so, like uh, nonprofits, like they, you know, in the hunting industry as well, um, they really glamorize hunting, like through their um, social media presence, and they make it look. Uh, they they make it look attractive. Um, it, they don't it's not a warts and all thing they don't talk about wound loss they just show pictures of people with their big thing that they shot and this and their elk stroganoff and how great it is and stuff like that and um you know i i think that money is definitely a component of that one, one of the biggest things i i but one of my strongest beliefs in this realm is that, that that considerations of profit should play zero role in encouraging people to hunt. Um, that seems completely unfair to me. So when I think of R three, I'm thinking of um, what you see on social media and how it makes it's geared towards making hunting look like glamorous and um and and try to attract more people to it and in and, and, and further crowd the mountains and woods for other people that just go about their business quietly without mm-hmm. trying to make a buck off of
3: it mm-hmm. yeah it's you know what you just said is exactly this is why we wanted you on, which is the the article was essentially your little you know, your little tree sticking above the ground. Whilst what we're getting here is the roots, the roots to why you wrote the article. And the roots are look, man, I think you can spend your money elsewhere that'll do a lot better things for wildlife and a lot better things for habitat and a lot better things for hunting. Yeah. Number three, yeah. number two is that. The people that are oversaturating the woods, not everyone, maybe not the vast majority, but there are a lot there are some people, I can't say a lot, there are some people that are coming into the woods that are coming in for the wrong reason. They're coming in for money and fame and this idea of you as you said, the dopamine hits tied to the social media world that we live in.
1: Yeah and I'd say that you know in the, in the I guess I've said this already, but maybe not very clearly. I am concerned that a lot of what a lot of what is inspiring people to go afield is profit driven as well. I, I had a conversation with somebody about R three, somebody that works for a nonprofit about six months ago where they flat out said, boy. Our corporate sponsors wouldn't like it very much if we backed off R3. You know, I just don't see that as, Well. I, like I say, uh, I'll say it again. I, I, I think that considerations of profit should play no role in inspiring people to honor.
3: Well, I think that you just talking through this with us and the article obviously makes people think more. Which is exactly what we want. And I'll be honest because Cody was honest. And Cody and I had a lot of conversations about this, because we had to in coming into this conversation even today, we were thinking like, why? One, why did Matt write it? And number two, a much bigger question. Now we understand the why to you. But the much bigger question that Cody asked was, Why did Meat Eater publish it? Right. And our and I'll say selfishly for me, I was like you know, did they do it because of the publicity? Did they do not it? Not at all. Of, not no, at and all. I know that now because, yeah. and here's why. And I'm going to make an assumption. I don't think anyone at media knows that you're on the podcast right now with us.
1: No. No. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not affiliated. I'm not no, affiliated. I know you're not.
3: I know you're not. I know you're not. But that was our assumption, right? That was right. that was the assumption that was driven through the article and and how it came out. So I just I just wanted to say thank you for, you know, because clearly to me in hearing you that that to me I don't have that assumption any longer.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. I I remember you guys talking about if you thought it was some kind of publicity, publicity thing or right. I mean I think that they I think they were wincing when they put it out um but maybe it was maybe it was as simple as my my brother uh offering to put it out and then having to follow through like in a just in a like in a casual moment offering to put it out and then actually having to do it when it when I wrote it so i you know but i you know i think that i think it's good for them i think it i think it'll be good for them it's it, it, it that the, there is they have like you say they got a they got a lot of clout in in the hunting world and man i think that it's very important to be introspective about what you're doing and, and ask the agree. tough questions yep 100 percent Cody, any last thoughts? Uh, no, I mean I
0: am incredibly grateful that you came on. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to say, I don't know if it's hundred percent true. But I hope that it is that that there weren't, uh, we didn't assume it was the publicity stunt. We questioned whether it was. If I can get hyper literal and draw a line there, um, I I hate assumptions. Um, I also think that uh, that uh, you said a lot of things and created a conversation. There was some totally unwarranted backlash. Like some of it was just ridiculous. Didn't make any sense whatsoever. Oh, and,
1: yeah, Like put, that outward light. That man. first that first guy flirted with calling me an asshole in his magazine. Um,
3: <laughs> right,
1: and, and I don't oh, see how God. that's constructive at all. But.
3: No,
0: I I don't either. I I I do think that uh, hopefully some folks, hopefully whether it's whether it's through this or it's through um, you know some other means, I I think Robbie's weird. Robbie does these weird, overly thoughtful analogies that are deeper than I can go. But with the whole tree thing and then the roots of what was behind this, I think resonated with me. um, That. That the, the, the twelve hundred words didn't do you justice. Um, not that it was poorly written, just it wasn't enough space to get deep enough on the topic. That at the surface level, you know, somebody comes out and says, "No more hunters ever, unless your dad taught you how to do it." Right, and that a hundred percent, I'm not saying that's what you were saying, but someone takes it that way. Um, and then you get all these weird, off the wall
1: attacks back because of it. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks, and, and, thanks. You no, know, and I'd say like, I'd say the most, the the, the, the most unfortunate part of it, um, the part that I'm most uncomfortable with was it, it also turned into a bit of a it, it took a identity politics bent. A little bit as well, um, which is really, really sad to mm-hmm. me. That's that's like become like anything that you're uncomfortable with, you could you can do that with now. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a way of it's become a way of, of of handling viewpoints that you don't like is some somehow attach them to mm-hmm. to race and. And gender, I, mean, I was even—I've even been thinking about like how I could do it. Um, like I could probably do it with your listening audience. I could be like, so, um, do you put in for special draws? And then they go, as in, as a as as somebody not from a disaffected group, and they go, yeah. And I'd be like, well, isn't that reducing the chances that somebody from an underrepresented group? Could <laughs> draw the tag, um, that sort of thing. You know, it's like you could do it with, with, with anything. So I, I, I just I hate that. I, that I hate that I was somehow attached to. Like the, there was this notion flying, flying, flying around out there. It, this insinuation that in any way, I am insensitive to, um, to disaffected groups. I,
3: well, I think today's oh, podcast has totally uh, nullified that position. And oh, they, they listen to that why position. So? Well, they can, they can listen to you and the real meaning behind what you wrote and why you wrote it. And, and Matt, I'm exactly like you, and Cody will back me up when I say this. I hate when people disagree with me. I, I don't like it. I, yeah. I am an agreeable individual. I like people liking me. Um, you know, when you have 100 people and 98 people like you, two, two people hate you, I can't I fixate <laughs> on the two. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, you know, we, I just want to say from, from Blood Origins perspective, thank you for opening up a dialogue, opening up a conversation, because I think it's always good. And that's what you said as well. And uh, we're, it's okay to disagree with people. We can be amicable, we can learn. We can challenge. We don't have to uh, at the end of the conversation have swayed our, our, our opinion in any which way. But we've had an opportunity to discuss both sides of the coin, and that's always fruitful.
1: Agreed. Thank you so much for, for having me on. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it.
3: Well, I hope that you will uh, continue to listen to Blood Origins podcast uh, from here on out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could see making some time for. It. For, for, for what you guys are doing. I, I've really enjoyed the few episodes I've listened to so.
0: And spread them around on your vast social
1: media presence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be much help there. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> All right, you guys have a good night.
3: Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey
1: the truth around hunting.